what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. This is episode 54, and Phil Kessel, ladies and gentlemen, is a three time Stanley Cup champion. I mean, oh my goodness, Phil Kessel. How, what what can I say about this man? I mean, supporting the Vegas Golden Knights from high above, watching down over them, supporting them from high up, giving them the support that they needed to get through the playoffs. And finally, the Vegas Golden Knights, after six years in the league, are finally Stanley Cup champions. So this is going to be a fun episode. We are going to break down the Stanley Cup final series. And there is a lot of NHL news to go over. So we're going to be going through all of that. But I mean, dude, I know there is a little bit of, I don't know, love hate with Phil Kessel, but I am, I adore Phil Kessel. He is my favorite player. I would have to say of all time, I just developed a very, very large uh, appreciation for Phil Kessel doing everything that he could do, uh, being on a very shitty Leafs team for a long time, and all the scrutiny that he went through, being a Toronto Maple Leaf, the all-star debacle, finally getting sent off to a team that he could be successful into in the Pittsburgh Penguins, two-time Stanley Cup champion over there arguably deserved that con Smythe. I'm on the side of he deserved that con Smythe was semi-robbed. But then he goes on, he goes through Arizona, the Iron Man streak continues and goes over to Las Vegas. I predicted maybe a little bit over predicted on how good Phil Kessel was going to be for the Vegas Golden Knights. I think I predicted him to get like 70 points or something. Regardless, he did his role, he did his thing in Las Vegas. He gets a Stanley Cup and he gets another ring. I mean, shit, dude. Like, is this going to be the end of Phil Kessel? He His contract is up. I mean, there's no better way than to retire as a champion. And, I mean, he was benched the entire playoff run because I I don't th- I think it's mostly because like Phil Kessel you look at the kind of player that he is now he's not necessarily the guy that's going to help you out majorly in a playoff run though he has a long track record of being fantastic in the playoffs so I don't know man like Vegas they had those they had two fucking aces up their sleeves that they didn't even have to use in the playoff run and that is Phil Kessel and Jonathan Quick I mean if things got bad they had those two guys just sitting there with huge they're big gamers especially in the playoffs and they didn't have to use them so I mean I love Phil Kessel I'm so happy for him I'm happy that Jonathan Quick got to lift the cup last night and there's so many guys on the Vegas Golden Knights team that I'm so happy for right now Let's let's try and break down this series. So now that it's over and everything, uh, a little bit more information is coming out about all the injuries and all that great stuff. So we go into the game last night, the final game, and Matthew Kachuk is not in the lineup, and that pretty much sealed the deal for Florida. I mean, without having their best player, most effective guy out there, Maddie Kachuk, it was going to be an extremely difficult mountain to climb for for the Panthers. And the fact that they got the win in Game 4 was kind of incredible, all said and done, because of how many injuries that the Panthers were dealing with. Kachuk was extremely injured in that game. He has a broken sternum. That is just one of the many injuries that was released 
uh, through after the the press conferences last night. But without a doubt, I mean, Matty Kachuk came into the series. He didn't look 100%. Gudis was hurt. Ekblad had a broken foot, I believe. So, yeah, the Panthers had a, a lot going up against them. They had the long break, which I think would kind of help them and hurt them at the same time. Like, they're definitely getting... Uh, a few of the bumps and bruises taken off them, but they're also losing that adrenaline. They're losing that momentum, and momentum is so very, very important in sports. And Vegas came into that series with a lot more momentum. They had a good amount of time off, not too much, and they still had the momentum of riding high of eliminating the Dallas Stars. So that de- all that stuff definitely came into effect throughout the series. All said and done, I'm a little bit disappointed with the finals. Uh, just wasn't as competitive as a series as I would have liked it to be. I mean, Vegas dominated the first two games at home. They dominated the last game last night. 9-3 to was the final score. I believe that is the highest uh, tied or is the highest scoring Stanley Cup final game of all time. I mean, yeah, that was a, that was a lot of goals. Shit kind of got... A little out of hand in the end, like Vegas knew they had it, and Florida, you know, doing what Florida always does. They won't give up until the final whistle goes, and they got a couple goals in there. That's all good, but I don't think anybody was really worried about uh, Vegas blowing it last night. They were not going to be denied last night. They were just absolutely on fire, so let's kind of go back just a little bit, and we'll talk about some of the prior games, uh, starting with game three, so... This is kind of the beginning of Matthew Kachuk uh, getting too injured to play, basically. He gets blasted by Kolasar. He leaves that game. He does end up coming back, but he looked extremely shooken up by that hit. He got up, and he did the stumble. He gets taken out for per, uh, concussion protocols, and I'm shocked that he actually came back in that game, which is amazing. And on top of that, he scores the, the tying goal. Late in the game, as always, he sends it to overtime. And Carter Verhage, the overtime winner in that game, giving the Florida Panthers their first victory in the Stanley Cup Finals in franchise history. So I'm extremely happy for the Panthers that they at least got that. I would have been, I would have felt bad for the Panthers and their fans, especially if they didn't get at least one win in the finals, because that would have been a lot of the conversation throughout their offseasons. Like, oh, the Panthers, they get to the finals and they can never win. It's like, shut up, leave them alone. But Game three was a hell of a performance from the Panthers, man. Like, uh, the I believe this is the one that Vegas went up fairly quickly and Florida had to come back. And it looked like it was not going to go very well for the Panthers. But again, man, Kachuk, just an absolute fucking animal. I can't stress that enough how, like, incredible that run was for him and the Panthers all around. It was just a fantastic run, but... I mean, we had a lot of bad penalties going down in some of these games. I think it was game four that had, like, no penalties. We'll talk about that. But Bobrovsky had a good bounce-back game right there. Vegas, I would say they were the better team in that game, but that was just the the thing that the Panthers do, man. They made the final push. They're so good at getting those big goals late. And, of course, it was Matthew Kachuk. Game four doesn't go the way for Florida this time at home. This is the one where Vegas goes up. 3-0 quite early, and the whistles were absolutely put away for this game. Like, nothing, nothing was getting called. Vegas got one power play, and then 17 seconds left in this game. Florida finally gets one, but it's there's 17 seconds left. There really is no, no, there wasn't enough time for them to get back on the board, but they tried. They did get close, but Vegas was able to hold them off. Aiden Hill, wow. 
What a performance from Aiden Hill throughout this playoff. I mean, he made some fucking incredible saves. Uh, Arguably two of the best saves were of the whole entire year are from him in this playoff run. The glove save and the blocker save that he made in in this series was fucking phenomenal. I couldn't believe it. And those kind of saves, like... Are such like backbreakers for the for uh, the Panthers, man. Like to have absolutely getting robbed on that level, man, by Aiden Hill. Like, oh, just mm, that's got a that's got a sting. But a lot of shenanigans at the end of this game as well. Um, you got <laughs> Kachuk and Petrangelo getting into it at the end of the game. Everyone kind of up in arms about Petrangelo leaving the penalty box, but the game was over, so I don't know why people were so upset. It's it's no big deal. And a little bit, I don't know how much heat is actually going to be on Barkov overall um, once the dust settles a little bit here and people start analyzing it. Barkov didn't have the most impressive, uh, more so offensively impressive run throughout this entire playoff run, but defensively, face-off-wise, he was a mastermind. He was incredible. And he did get on the board in the finals, which is good. A lot of people were asking, you know, you got to have Barkov getting some goals here. He's the highest paid player on the team and they want a little bit more offensive impact from him. And he did, he got on the board, but I think maybe it was a little too, not enough, too late, not enough kind of deal thing, whatever the fuck I'm trying to say. Then game four, well, that was game four. Game five was, um, holy fuck, dude. Well, what a, Oh, I was not expecting that score. It started out fairly, you know, normal. But yeah, with Kachuk not being in that game, it was, uh, like I said, it was going to be really, really tough for them. And then, yeah, Mark Stone scoring the shorthanded goal in this game. At that point, you could see the emotion on Stone. You can see the building in Vegas erupting. You were like, oh yeah, this is going to be next to impossible for the Panthers. And that's pretty much how it did. I mean, the Panthers did come out in the second period swinging, which was nice. They got a goal. They made the game a little bit more interesting, but then Vegas doing the Vegas thing. They've been dominating uh, second periods throughout the whole entire playoff. The long change, they have just been loving it, and they absolutely exploded in the second period, and they were dominating the Panthers in a way that, like, I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, they... Not only was Vegas not messing around, like, they weren't leaving anything to chance. They were absolutely dominating the Panthers, man. Like, it was, what, seven or eight-plus minutes of purely offensive just domination, cycling the puck, like, just... There was, like, the Panthers just weren't getting anywhere near that puck, and Bobrovsky, there was just so many great chances. It was only a matter of time before the the dam broke open and all the goals started going in. Wow. I mean, it was an incredible... Like, it was amazing to watch. I was actually kind of blown away at how incredibly dominant Vegas was in that second period. It was, it was quite the spectacle. And oh, Mark Stone with that with the hattie last night. I mean, <laughs> he was not going to be denied that hat trick goal. He was going for the empty netter and he missed it a couple times. He was getting so angry. But he finally got it. And that's the first hat trick in the Stanley Cup playoffs since like the 1920s. Or some crazy shit like that. I totally believe it. But that's so good for Mark Stone, man. He's such an awesome guy. Very, very deserving cup for Mark Stone. I'm very happy for him. And and let's let's start with the, the Vegas Golden Knights Appreciation Fest. So Jonathan Marsh is so Mr. Marshmallow. He gets the con Smythe. I mean, I, I don't. I, there were so many deserving guys. I mean, even on 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 the Florida side. I mean, Matty Kachuk. He he could be deserving of it as well. But 
wow, I'm very, very happy with Marcia So getting it. Arguably, I mean, Eichel right there, it seemed like it was down to those two, but I'm very, very happy that Marcia So eked it out. One of the original six misfits. I mean, the dude has been tossed around the league, so many teams giving up on him, and he finally finds a home in Vegas, and wow, what a fucking run for this guy, and even even with the, like, he did nothing in the first series, the in the first round, he got nothing, and then he just exploded, he had, I think it was 13 goals, he was tied for Leon Dreisaitl for the most goals in the playoffs, he had an 8 or 9 game point streak going on, he turned it on at the right time, and fuck, dude, he was super duper clutch, Eichel, I mean, wow, what a performance from him, First time in the Stanley Cup playoffs in one of the best runs from a from a debut appearance in the playoffs for him. And oh, I literally, I have goosebumps right now thinking about it. And I had goosebumps last night watching Jack Eichel raise the Stanley Cup last night. I mean, I really, really hope that the Buffalo fans out there are feeling good for this guy. Like, I feel, I honestly feel, I, would, I think overall, I feel better for Jack Eichel winning the Stanley Cup more so than I would feel good for McDavid winning the cup because Eichel from day fucking one man of that draft he was always just belittled for not being Connor McDavid the Buffalo uh, franchise the owners they were like oh man we get stuck with Eichel and you could feel that like that tension between Eichel and Buffalo the whole entire time he was there and then the lack of success the the lack of success for the franchise the terrible management just oh so much terrible stuff and then not even to to start talking about the whole entire neck surgery fucking bullshit and all of that finally getting resolved and finally we get to see Jack Eichel being Jack Eichel, it has taken way too long to finally see Jack Eichel on a fucking team that he deserves to be on, a team that that is good around him and not all the pressure being on him and everything getting blamed on him. He finally gets to have the support of a good team and a good franchise behind him. He shows everybody that he's legit. He goes off, has a fantastic performance in the playoffs, arguably Conn Smythe-worthy amazing and it just it was such a great moment to see him lifting that Stanley Cup wow I mean congratulations to Jack Eichel and everyone on Vegas when whoever I miss there's so many guys on Vegas I already blew a load all over Phil Kessel William Carlson I mean what can you say about that that the misfits man I mean I might miss a few here but it's like William Carlson uh, Riley Smith Marcia so I think White Cloud might be in that. I'm not 100% sure. McNabb. Uh, fuck, there's probably other guys, but all those guys. What a huge win. Like, And on top, it's the same thing with Marcheseau. Like other teams, uh, Carlson basically given up on by Columbus. He comes to Vegas, finds a home, 40 goals. No, he hasn't really reached that 40 goal thing ever again, but he's become a fantastic top six player, fantastic defensively. And oh my God, man, Riley Smith, he's been through so many teams and now here he is a Stanley Cup champion, Jonathan Quick. I really like the moment with Jonathan Quick. You know, he gets to celebrate and he's happy and everything, but he's just, he's letting all the other players on the ice know like, fucking appreciate this like this is the moment fucking suck it all in man because who knows when you could be back here not everyone's Jonathan Quick and you get to have three of these moments or Phil Kessel three of these moments it's it's really awesome Aiden Hill I mean fuck dude what a what an out of nowhere performance like nobody saw this guy pulling out a performance like this the 
arguably the third, fourth, fifth string goaltender in the Vegas uh, pipeline, and bam, there he goes, gets hot at the right time, Stanley Cup champion, and the ovation that he got when he lifted the Stanley Cup, that was awesome, I mean, all around the Vegas crowd was going fucking bananas last night, going absolutely crazy, they were definitely a little bit nervous in the game, and so was the, the Vegas Golden Knights team, and that first five minutes of the game, it was very, very uh, visually obvious how nervous the Knights were because they were giving it up. Thankfully, Aiden Hill was able to bail them out and then they, Mark Stone got the shorty and Vegas really settled in. The crowd settled in. They were quiet at times. Very nervous, understandably, but when it was time to celebrate, holy shit did those fans ever... They just didn't let us down. I mean, it's Vegas. It's going to be an apps. I don't. E- I can't even imagine. I haven't even looked up for like st- crazy stories of what went down last night. Who was swimming in fountains? Who was blackout drunk? Who was just a degenerate last night? Can only imagine, man. Like I can only. I can't. I don't even know if I can dream up a celebration of that style. To even think about the Toronto Maple Leafs winning a Stanley Cup in Canada and how amazing that celebration is going to be. But. That's not what we're talking about. This is Vegas's time, and fuck, dude. I, I'm very, very happy for, for Vegas, man. I know Vegas isn't everybody's favorite team because they're, they're just like the most... They're very ruthless. They're cutthroat, but they know what needs to be done. They get the big toys. They get the players that they knew they needed. They got Petrangelo, your bonafide number two stud defenseman. They got Jack Eichel. They're probably their biggest missing piece, uh, throughout all their success and big runs in the playoffs was that bona fide number one superstar superstar center, and that was Jack Eichel. Bam, he goes in, he gets the job done. So Vegas proved they knew what they needed. They went out and got it. They did what they needed to do to go get those assets, whether the fans, the everyone, all the fans around the NHL liked it or not. I mean, yeah, I was definitely not a fan of the way that they. What they did to Marc-Andre Fleury, it didn't need to go down that way, but it it did, and it is what it is, but... I mean, fuck, dude, you can't, I mean, what a job by Vegas, the the owner, I can't remember, Billy McCrimmon, maybe, something like that, but what a fucking call from that guy. From day one, he predicted, he was wrong about the playoff prediction, he thought that it would take three years to get into the playoffs, six years to win a Stanley Cup, and bam, he nailed it. Sixth year, Vegas Golden Knights are the Stanley Cup champions, that is incredible, it's it's very, very good for a new franchise. One of the fastest uh, Stanley Cup victories for a new franchise. It might be the fastest one for a brand new uh, expansion team. I'm not 100% sure on those details because there's like the Edmonton Oilers coming in as basically an already established team because they came from the WHL. But that that's for a different day. We're not worried about that. But Vegas, man, like, fuck, this, it's so good for so many reasons. It's great for the NHL that it's going to be more encouragement for, you know, rich people to want to bring in teams into the NHL, seeing the su- success of Vegas, seeing the success of the Seattle Kraken, and so on and so forth. It's definitely not how it used to be back in the day where you're absolutely fucking horrendous for like a decade, and then maybe you're decent for a little bit kind of deal so great for Vegas good for the NHL I mean I, I'm shocked that it took this long for Vegas to get sports teams over there but um, it's it's really been a fantastic experiment and it's going very very well for Vegas and a huge victory wow I'm super happy 
for Vegas. And when it comes to Florida, so... I mean, Florida, clearly, obviously, their fans are going to be very disappointed, heartbroken even, and understandably so. This is, you know, it's it's taken almost 20 years for them to get back to the finals. Uh, the first time they made it, it was a very, it, was, it wasn't a very competitive final. It didn't look like, you know, um, Colorado was ever in any danger of losing that series, but uh, it was a hell of a resilient run for them back then. And even now, I mean, it was a very resilient run for Florida. They barely made it into the playoffs. It took a minor miracle uh, featuring the Chicago Blackhawks to get them in there. They fucking squeaked in barely. And every single series that they went into, they were the underdogs. No one had them winning. And they went out and won every single series except for the final one. And... I mean, what a run. I mean, it was definitely a magical run. There was some crazy performances, a little bit of luck. And I I don't like people saying that, oh, they got lucky, and that's the only reason why they won. It's like, no, but without a question, luck, you have to have luck to become a Stanley Cup champion. That's just, that's what it comes down to. You can go through every single Stanley Cup victory, and there is some luck involved in every single one of them. Like, there has to be. You have to get lucky in this sport to win sometimes. I mean, that's just the way that it is. The puck is so unpredictable. The game is so crazy. It's going to happen. So, yes, of course Vegas got lucky throughout this. Of course the Panthers got lucky throughout this. You need luck. That's fine. There's there's no... And you also have to be good to be lucky at times, too, you know. So... Luck, yes, plays a big role into these victories, but it's not the sole reason why Vegas won and why the Panthers didn't win. So, Panthers fans, I know it's disappointing that they lost, but the future is looking really, really bright now. Like, a loss like this, though, yes, very much so hurts, it can really bring a team together, and who knows what the Panthers are going to come out with next year. They're going to have a fire deep down in their bellies, especially Kachuk, like, we got so fucking close, and we can do it again. They just got to find some of that magic one more time, and they can get back up there, and everyone knows now, if the Panthers get into the playoffs, they're going to be very, very dangerous, and they have a bigger mission now than ever, so going to be very interesting like I mean the goalie situation with the Panthers is going to be quite interesting to see Bobrovsky definitely has redeemed himself in I wouldn't say fully with that contract but he's definitely made it a little bit more palatable uh that 10 plus million dollar contract he played very well though his performance yes wasn't as insane in the finals I mean I don't think you can really expect Bobrovsky to keep up that like 950 save percentage the whole time. He made big saves, but Vegas very much so knew they had a game plan for what to do with Bobrovsky. Get in his get in his vision, block him off, don't let him see fucking anything, and shoot that bitch high. I mean, it's a it's a very effective strategy, and it worked for them. So that is that. I thought Bobrovsky had a had a fucking phenomenal run. I mean. They, uh, the Panthers wouldn't have gotten where they did without him, and they wouldn't have gotten into the playoffs without Lions. So there's there's a lot of uh, things coming out of this playoffs that uh, other teams are going to start copying, right? Because it's it's a copycat cat league, so we're going to start seeing things. So uh, we're going to see things from 
the team of Vegas and the team of the Panthers that other teams are going to see is okay. Why, why were they so successful? Well, you're looking at the Panthers being quite deep in the, in the goaltending thing. So they had like three capable goaltenders that at any time they can go in. It seems like the, the days of the, the one, like one goalie on a team, like, um, you know, back in the day, Martin Brodeur, he would play 95% of the games and the backup goalie was kind of redundant. He was just, he was, it was the easiest job in the NHL for the longest time to be the backup goaltender for the New Jersey Devils. And it seems like those days are very much so numbered and there's not very many goalies in the league right now that can carry the whole entire weight of a regular season and then a deep playoff run. It's just too exhausting for a lot of goaltenders. I would say like Hellebuck and maybe like even Sorrows, man, like his durability isn't up to the highest level, right? So there's not very many goaltenders that are going to be doing that for teams these days. So probably going to start seeing uh, teams with a more diverse goaltending uh, tandem or maybe even a trio. We might start seeing trios now. Uh, more than likely going to start seeing a lot more 1A and 1B goaltending tandems, splitting the load or 40-60% kind of deal going on. And then in the playoffs, like if a goalie is, hopefully teams will learn, if you have a hot goaltender, run with him. Uh, I, I look back to Edmonton and and even Boston, like Boston forcing Allmark into the net. When he was clearly hurt, you have Jeremy Swayman, a very good goaltender. They just didn't use him uh, at the right times. And then Edmonton, I thought Jack Campbell, like he had a 950 save percentage in the games that he had to replace Jeff Skinner, but they, uh, or not Jeff Skinner, Stuart Skinner. And they just kept forcing the skin bin in there. And I think they should have gave Campbell a shot, especially the fact that they gave him big goaltender money. You should have gave him a shot and they didn't. And I think that, you know, who knows what would have happened if they gave Jack Campbell a shot. Would it, would it have been much worse than what Stuart Skinner was giving them in the net? I mean, who knows, right? So you're going to start seeing things like that on the Vegas side. A lot of the talk is the size of that team. Marcia so being the only guy in the team under six foot. Uh, big goaltender in Aiden Hill, 6'4". Everyone's big on the defensive end, hard to move. It's definitely going to be uh, influencing the league a little bit here as we go on. That's generally how that goes down. And yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool, man. It was a fun series, not my favorite one. It was, um, I mean, honestly, a lot of the games for me were background noise. I would have I'd be watching it until I feel the game is out of hand, and then I put it on the iPad. I'm gaming, I'm watching it on the side, and because they just weren't competitive enough, honestly. And it's it, and it's no f- fault to the Florida Panthers. It's just your best guy was hurt, so that sucks. But Florida also had some other things that just weren't going for them in this series. We talked about that the aggressiveness of the Panthers with their after the whistle shenanigans and all that stuff, big hitting. They're a big team as well, but Vegas was bigger and they just weren't buying into that aggressive stuff that the Panthers were throwing at them. They just were not shook by that stuff at all. The way that Carolina was and the way that the Leafs were just wasn't having it in in this series against Vegas. Their bottom six was not very effective in this series either. You weren't getting uh, very much out of the fourth line. You weren't getting enough out of the third line. And yeah, the offense just wasn't coming around for everybody on, on the Florida side. And they were taking a lot of bad penalties were going down on the, in this series as well. I mean, 
it's really tough. I mean, we've talked so much about the refereeing. Every single game, everything shifts. Like, uh, I've heard it on so many podcasts how, like, you know, you got a set of rules for games two and one and two, and then the more you get into the series, like, the more shit is getting let go and more just let them play is happening. So it's it's so, it's such a hard fucking dancing balancing act to try and fucking you know it's a constant problem in the nhl with the refereeing and how inconsistent everything is from one game this is a penalty to the next game that's not a penalty or even 10 minutes from now that's not a penalty or is a penalty you know the only penalties that were they were really calling were the ones that were so clearly like very clear trips uh, you got very clear high sticking but there was also some questionable ones like there was some interference calls there that I was like what the hell so yeah all around we all know refereeing not the best in the NHL we all know that so that that's out there we know that so there's going to be fan bases out there that are you know, not very happy about the, the way that their team was officiated or how other teams were allowed to get away with stuff so on and so forth that's just a built-in thing with the NHL so that that is that but I mean it just on paper man just the, from what I saw in the games like Panthers had a couple flashes but it, it it was all Vegas man they really really owned this series they weren't going to be denied and they're champions now so this is great let the celebration be- begin for for Vegas um I'm excited I hope Phil Kessel puts uh, hot dogs in the Stanley Cup again that that would be pretty cool I'm excited to see Jack Eichel do his thing so that was the Stanley Cup y'all we're done it's it's over hockey is done for the season that was the last game played and Fuck yeah, it was a really fun season. I don't think, of course, I mean, I've been on Vegas winning the cup for like two or three years now. Every year I'm like, oh, this is the year for Vegas. And of course this year I wasn't saying that because I've been burned two times. And of course the year I wasn't saying, oh, Vegas got it. They win it. So, I mean, that's cool. I, I'm a fan of Vegas, man. I think I, I'm fine with it. They remind me of me when I play the GM mode in the video games. Like, I will just, if I got to sell you off, I don't care how long you've been here. If you got to go, you got to go. So, like, I can relate. I've done the cutthroat thing in the video game. Obviously, I don't get the repercussions or the heat from the fan base or whatever trading away their favorite players. But, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, now there's really you can't say nothing about it they want a cup so it worked I mean yeah I'm sorry Marc-Andre Fleury I'm not saying that he was the reason why they weren't winning cups and even all that was just a mess anyway like they're not even using Robin Leonard so whatever it's over now Aiden Hill gets the cup fuck yeah freaking cool so now that we've talked about the Stanley Cup playoffs let's try and talk about some of the news that is going around in the NHL we got a lot of shit to go through here so I'm more than likely going to be cutting out some of the bigger stuff we're going to talk about I want to talk about the upcoming UFA market restricted free agents and we should be taking a look at the draft rankings so I think we'll probably do one of those three things so let's just start from the top with the news We got a new Calgary Flames head coach. It is, I believe his first name is Ryan Huska. So that's pretty cool. He is uh, a guy that was in their system, a new coach. So that's great. I don't really know a whole lot about this guy. I believe he was the assistant coach for like four or five years. Cool. I'm I'm good with that. A lot of people are upset with, uh, I think his name is Mitch Love. I think he's been the coach in the... uh, I think it's the AHL, but he has won coach of the year like two years in a row now. And a lot of people wanted him to be the coach. And 
I'm I myself am a little bit perplexed, but I think it basically comes down to seniority. Uh, Huska has higher seniority, higher ranking in the organization, so I believe it is his. But, uh, you know, they got this AHL coach of the year. He's kind of sitting there, so maybe if things don't go good with Huska, they could bring him up finally, and we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, they finally got a new coach. So the Flames are set now. We got a new GM in Conroy. You got the new coach in Huska, so... Again, I feel quite good now about uh, a bounce-back season for Calgary next year. There are still some question marks, some things up in the air surrounding the Flames. So, um, in terms of the blue line, there has been some rumblings out there that they have been or could be shopping around Noah Hannafin. The the Flames do have a pretty deep blue line. I mean, they have... um, Oh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, Shillington, he didn't play all last season. He's he's going to be back in the lineup next year. So they're going to have to make room for him. And there's they just have a good blue line, right? So maybe they have an opportunity to maybe sacrifice one of those blue liners. I mean, Hannafin, he's got a pretty good contract. He's a pretty damn good defenseman. Like, I like him quite a bit. Uh, maybe a little bit underrated. I don't hear a lot of people talking about him. But he's a good-ass defenseman. So he's definitely going to draw in some interest. I don't really know yet necessarily what the Flames are looking for because it's such a new look team. And I mean, now that Sutter is out, there's a better opportunity that the Flames are going to start bringing up a lot of the young guys that they were talking about, like Peltier and so on and so forth. Maybe we're going to see that that Wolf goaltender. They have a young goaltender, arguably. Some people are saying that he's the best goaltender not playing in the NHL right now. So they have a young goaltender there, but they have Vladar and Markstrom to deal with. So... Vladar could potentially be on the move. There could be potential that Markstrom could be shopped around, but I I would say at this point, he may be at like his lowest value right now. He had a pretty awful season and coming off of a, like arguably just as bad playoff prior to that and then a bad season to boot. I don't know how much value he's going to bring, but they could definitely try and sell that rebound or that bounce back effort. But at this point, I feel like, though I am a big fan of Ladar, I think he's very good. He just had a rough season along with a lot of the Flames last year. I think he's a good goaltender. Boston did not want to give him up because they believe that he's going to be a very good goaltender. So... I'm hesitant for them to move off of him. Preferably, I would I would like him to stay and move off of Markstrom. I just think Markstrom's too much money and too inconsistent. And he's got a definitely got a lot of confident issues. Like when he's not confident, it's it's fucking ugly to watch. But when he's confident, he's one of the best goalies in the league. So it's a definitely a very tough upcoming decision. They could easily just keep both and keep the young prospect goaltender down another year and then just let it work itself out. So there's that going on. There's also the Lindholm situation that is going on with Calgary. So uh, Conroy wants to re-sign him, but I mean, at the end of the season, Lindholm, along with Backlund, did not sound very receptive to coming back to the Flames. Now, that was with Daryl Sutter. Now he's gone. Their opinions could have changed. So we'll see what's going on with Lindholm. He is a fantastic first-line center. Very, very good. Uh, yes, I mean, this is just safe to say with everybody except for maybe Toffoli had a down year on Calgary last year. So um, I could see Lindholm having a good bounce back, but I don't know. The damage could possibly be already done. He might want out. Backlund might want out. Backlund, 
it's it's a you know it's an easier pill to swallow. He's on the back nine of his career, though he's a popular flame. I understand, but I, I think it would be a little bit easier to let him go over at Lindholm. Lindholm's a very very good player, so I wouldn't want him to go. But all that stuff is out there. So Flames fans, what do you think? What is going to happen with the Flames? Are they going to try and move off of Lindholm and bring in someone else? I mean. You would have to replace that. Like, I don't like Nazem Kadri as the number one center. I think he thrives in a second line center role. I think that's the better spot for him. So it's interesting, man. I would really like to see the younger players in Calgary get an opportunity, a proper opportunity without some dickhead, you know, belittling them every fucking day. But um, yeah, there's definitely some answers and or uh, questions that need to be answered for the Flames. Milan Lucic, what's going to happen with Lucic? And lots of lots of interest around Lucic right now especially now that Vegas just won big big man is Lucic he can bring a lot of that intimidation factor and strength and all of that honestly I would really like the Toronto Maple Leafs to take a look at Milan Lucic because well apparently he's he's pretty interested in Toronto and or Vancouver so I me personally I would fucking love Milan Lucic on the Toronto Maple Leafs that would be so sick a player oh my god like That'd be what the arguably maybe the toughest player ever in Toronto Maple Leaf history, at least in the modern era. Uh, yeah, so I would really like that. I would much prefer him to come over to Toronto than Vancouver. But if he decides to go back to Calgary, which seems iffy, uh, I'm down with that too. It's uh, definitely interesting to he- see what's going to happen with Milan Lucic and how much money he's going to make. He's definitely not going to be making six million dollars like he was. But um, how much is he worth nowadays? Like, is is he going to take a league min? What's he going to do? I'm very anxious to see what's going to happen with Lucic. Speaking of very interesting, I've been very interested in the future of Jason Spezza, and we finally got an answer. So he has been named the assistant general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. A little disappointed that he wasn't named, you know, the general manager, but that's okay. So he's still going to be tag teaming up and, you know, hanging out with Kyle Dubas as expected. So congratulations to Jason Spezza. Um... We have, I'm going to be a little bit all over the the map a little bit with the news, but uh, my apologies. So we got some news coming out of Connecticut. Uh, The governor over there is extremely interested in buying the Arizona Coyotes in an effort to bring back the Hartford Whalers, which would be fucking dope. They have an awesome logo. They have an awesome jersey with great colors. Uh, Hartford, Connecticut. I mean, kind of the, the home base of the WWE. I'm cool with that. I know a lot of people would be extremely happy to see the Whalers come back. I know there would be some Canadian uh, Canadian fans that would be like, Hey, what about the Nordiques? But um, that would be interesting. I don't know how... See, at this point, it's it's so up in the air because we, we just don't know what the future of the Coyotes is going to be. They still believe that they're still going to be able to stay in Phoenix or Arizona, okay, but there is a person over in Connecticut that's willing to do it. They have an arena that I believe they said they would, they're willing to upgrade, so it's out there. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but the governor is very interested, and, I, you know, that's the Quebec guy, primate, whatever the fuck, he's been interested. So just because you're interested doesn't mean you're going to get the team, but it is interesting that he is interested. I like that. I mean, Hartford to come back, I would like that. I think at this point, people would take any franchise over Arizona. A lot of fans would. I know the Arizona fans wouldn't, but I mean, if 
If you could trade off Arizona for the Thrashers, I think people would take it. If you could bring back the Nordiques, everyone would take it. If you can bring back the fucking uh, Cleveland Barons or something, I don't know. People would probably be down with it. But yeah, we, we still have a very unclear future of what's going to be happening with Arizona Coyotes. I'm still leaning towards they're going to get moved. The, the, and the question is where, where they're going to end up. I have no idea. They could go to Houston. They could go anywhere. Anywhere. I don't know. But I feel strongly that they're probably not going to move to Quebec. So there's that. So very interesting news there out of Connecticut. We got, some, we got an extension coming out of Columbus. We got Damon Severson with a eight-year extension coming out to $6.25 million dollars. Per season, so this was a sign and trade involving Columbus and New Jersey. New Jersey receives a third round pick in this upcoming draft, and Columbus receives a very lengthy contract on a defenseman who is good. He was, uh, you know, that was the longest serving New Jersey Devil left on the roster. He's now gone. So, Devils fans. I don't know. It's definitely going to be a love-hate situation. Some people love this guy, Damon Severson. Some some people absolutely hate him. He's been the whipping boy kind of over there for New Jersey Devil fans. Whenever shit's going wrong on defense, probably going to fall onto that guy. Years now, there's been uh, Severson to the Leafs connections. So, you know, I've been hearing a lot about Damon Severson for the last couple of years myself. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I would have taken him on my team, but, oh, my God, I would not take that deal. There's no way. I think he's already 28 or 29 years old, so this deal's going to take him until he's, like, 36, 37 years old. And, um, yeah, these are just kind of the deals that Columbus is going to have to do to keep guys there for a long time. I mean, though last year it seemed like that kind of was over with Goudreau coming over, signing a long-term deal. But it still seems like with Columbus, they're still having a little bit of issues with convincing people to come over. So they get the sign-and-trade. You got Severson for eight years now. Uh, Not every team in the league would sign a deal like that, but when you're a team like Columbus, you don't have a whole lot of... You know, good things to sell. You just you're coming off of a fucking miserable season. You got Mike Babcock as the new coach, so yeah, it's gonna take maybe a little bit of extra cash to convince some guys to come over. So the deal is a little bit rich, honestly. I don't think he would have been getting that money even on the free agency market. Arguably, it'd be close, but uh, I, I think Columbus is giving him uh, quite a nice deal here. So that's good. I mean, you, you got to give it to Columbus. They're making some moves over there. They're trying to shore up that blue line, which desperately needed some help. So now you got Provorov. Now you got Damon Severson. If you get a really good bounce back out of Provorov, that'd be great. Uh, Severson, never really been known for his defensive abilities, more so an offensively-minded defenseman, but you need those as well. So it, it's, good, it's good to see Columbus doing some stuff like that. At least they're trying, and they're doing what needs to be done. So it's a questionable deal, but you know they didn't have to pay a lot other than money, and they have money to spend. So it'll be okay for the short term, but we'll see how that goes in the long run. And I'm not 100% sure... Uh, what the no trade clauses are on that. I think there's a full no move for the first four years or something like that. But yeah, I mean, not a deal that I would sign. Speaking of deals that I may not have signed, uh, we got Gavrikov re-signing with the LA Kings. Two years at $5.875 million, so just shy of $6 million. Very rich deal, not a long term either. So a lot of interesting things coming around this one. 
uh, Gavrikov easily could have got a longer-term deal, but apparently uh, those ag- agent has told him to take the long-term deal, take the money, take the guaranteed cash. Gavrikov is trying to bet on himself, and this could be the first of many of these uh, two- to three-year deals that we're going to see because of the uh, of the cap that's going to be going up in a couple of years. It's supposed to increase substantially. So Gavrikov trying to set himself up to be a free agent for uh, when all the money starts to come in. So it's smart. It's a gamble. We'll see if it pays off for him. Honestly, um, Gavrikov just really appeared on the on the radar for myself this season. I haven't heard a fucking thing about this guy until Columbus decided we're going to trade him. And then you start hearing about uh, the asking price for this guy. You're like, wow. And then you start hearing about the potential asking price for this guy in free agency. Like six, seven, eight million dollars I'm hearing. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, how good is this guy? But he gets the just shy of six million. So he must be pretty fucking good. Can't really say for myself I haven't watched a whole lot of Gavrikov I can't I'm not gonna lie but a rich deal I know that the Los Angeles Kings were very very happy to have him he played quite well from when he joined the team did well in the playoffs so that's one of the major guys that the Kings wanted kind of the big reason why they did the big trade with Philadelphia and Columbus to get the Cal Peterson contract off of the books so that they can re-sign Gavrikov so good for Los Angeles I mean he's going he's a very from what I'm hearing a very very good defensive defenseman so uh, I for now I, I feel like it's a good signing for the Kings now we got a, a signing from Chicago it's a very rich contract, but I mean, Chicago's in in a position that they can hand out these kind of deals. And we got another two-year contract for Anthony Sayu. I forget his first name, maybe Andre, something like that. But Anthony Sayu, two years at four point two five million dollars. Holy shit, that is a lot of money for a guy that put up, I think, forty points. But um, Chicago's got to hit the floor, so they got to pay some guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to affect Chicago whatsoever. They just need some bodies over there. Uh, they're going to be looking for guys that seem to be happy to play there. Anthony Sioux played there last season. He seemed to be fine with it. So coming back for some more. And now you're going to have Bedard there as well. So, I mean, an added bonus, I guess. Plus, you're going to get way more money than I think anyone would would have offered Anthony Sioux. There's, I don't think anybody would be paying anywhere near this much money for him. So, I mean, good for him. Can't can't take that away from me. You can't turn down that kind of money. So good for him. With Chicago, it's it's not going to affect them whatsoever. They're in no position to be in a win now mode. So it's okay. Okay. So now we have. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Flyers now. So last week, when you know you got you got Briere, the new GM. You got. Do they have a new coach? No, they got Tortorella. But you know, shit is going down with Philadelphia. So they traded up Provorov, who, you know, what, three, four years ago, if you said to a Flyers fan that Provorov was getting traded, they would probably kick the shit out of you because Provorov, there was a time there that he looked like and the potential, the ceiling on this guy, he could have been one of the best defensemen in the league. Even in in the video games, he always had very good potential, always became very good. And now it seems that his stock has dropped off a little bit. It's no longer a flyer. Off to Columbus, he goes, could have a bounce back, or he could just fizzle out. Who knows? But it's we're definitely not done here with the Flyers. Uh, they got some other moves that they could be making. Daniel Briere has come out. He's used the rebuild word, so... 
Looks like the Flyers going into a full-on rebuild, and the question that I ask now is that they brought in Cal Peterson, and I was discussing last week how I don't feel all that good about a tandem of two young goaltenders, especially Cal Peterson, who has been struggling mightily in the NHL, and then Carter Hart, a very young goaltender. Yeah, he's got some hefty experience behind him right now, but he's still young. I think it would be good for them to get in a guy that has a little bit more experience, so... Rumors swirling now around the Philadelphia Flyers. Is Carter Hart on his way out of Philadelphia? Something that I thought would not happen. Even in a rebuild situation, I feel like Carter Hart is a guy that you could very much so build a team around a goaltender such as Carter Hart. Young, still looks like he's playing very well. He just doesn't have a team around him. All the numbers around Carter Hart are showing very good things except for his numbers on the penalty kill which could be fixed by putting him on a better team with better defensive systems and all that great stuff or it could just be a major hole in his game but everything else numbers wise looks good for Carter Hart so there will definitely be some interest from teams on Carter Hart you're gonna have teams like Pittsburgh looking at him maybe even the Toronto Maple Leafs there's gonna be a lot of teams looking at a Carter Hart piece so what could Philadelphia get back for a piece like Carter Hart now generally in the NHL goaltenders don't bring back a lot because goaltenders are so incredibly unpredictable right one year they could be the best next year they're out of the league so Carter Hart Not necessarily on the market yet, but I mean, it sounds like the Philadelphia Flyers are listening. If an offer that blows them away comes by, we could potentially see Carter Hart not in the Philadelphia Flyers uniform as soon as this offseason. So definitely going to be keeping my ears open uh, to hear about what's going on with Carter Hart. I I was kind of blown away even hearing his name come up. I was like, wow. But I mean, if you're going into the rebuild, Carter Hart's definitely going to have some uh, some value there. And he's not the only one. I mean, you got guys like Konechny. Uh, they've been shopping him around for a long time. There's a lot of guys on Philadelphia that could get moved. Uh, Kevin Hayes could be bought from Philadelphia for potentially a very low price point. He could be a great ad for a team that has the money to bring him in. So going to be interesting to see what goes on with Danny Briere and how he's going to be navigating the waters. I feel like so far so good. I mean, I don't overly love the idea of bringing Cal Peterson, but it, you know, if he turns it around, it could be very, very good for him. It's just the way that Cal Peterson has dropped off of a cliff. Ah, I don't know. To see a rebound, I, it seems very unlikely, but maybe. There's also, um, so you got Patrick Sharp joins the Flyers organization, former player. I mean, I don't remember him very well for being a Flyer, but uh, good for him. Very handsome man. You know, that's going to bring up the morale when you see a very handsome man with a gorgeous smile, nice hairline. It's going to make you feel nice every now and again. So it's uh, so that's cool for them. It's also been word that they've been shopping around Scott Lawton a lot. I, um, who was the... Apparently the Toronto Maple Leafs are interested in, in Scott Lawton. Um, but apparently the asking price for Lawton is quite steep. Apparently they were asking for late first round picks for this guy at the trade deadline. I'm like, damn. I'm like, yeah, he's a good player. But like bottom six, I think he could arguably be a decent second line center. But I don't think on a Stanley Cup contender you would want him there. He'd be an amazing third line center for the Leafs, which... I mean, the Leafs are looking for 
for some center options, you know, the Leafs want to move Tavares to the wing and they, they need a second line center that would go there. I mean, arguably, like, could they not put Marner as a second line center? Don't you think, or first, second line center? Like, don't you think he could be a very good center now that he has those defensive abilities? I don't know. It all really comes down to his face-off abilities. But um, yeah, the Leafs are apparently interested in Scott Lawton. I don't know. Like, if they would trade away that that late first-round pick that they have, oh, man, I don't know how I would feel about that for Scott Lawton. Like, he's good, but uh, I don't know, man. He, I don't know. I'd have to sit on that one and see how I feel. But it's just rumors right now. It's just talk. So that is out there. We got um, also some... Th- <laughs> this one's quite interesting. Um, this is a player that I would love the Toronto Maple Leafs to be kicking tires on, but apparently... The Los Angeles Kings have been kicking tires on Tom Wilson of the Washington Capitals. So, very interesting. So, Tom Wilson, he's only got one year left on his deal, paying him like $5.5 million. Very, very team-friendly deal. Uh, Crucial style of player. Uh, Very rare style of player in the league right now. And he's... Very aggressive. He could score. He could fight. He's very tough. He can hit. He could do all that stuff. He brings an element to a team that not a lot of teams have. And he's also one of the more skilled players of that, you know, era. He's not he's not up there with the Kachucks, but he's he's very, very good himself. Now he has been dealing with some injury problems over the last few seasons. Washington Capitals seem to be on their way down, but how willing would the Capitals be to move a Tom Wilson? I mean, I think you can get the sun and the moon for that guy. He's a very, very hot commodity. I think teams would be swarming the Capitals to try and pry away a Tom Wilson from them. That is the kind of player that you add to your roster that could take your team over the top. That could take a Los Angeles Kings over the top. That could take the Toronto Maple Leafs over the top. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the kind of player that Tom Wilson is. And the Washington Capitals are aware of that. So they have to make the decision this offseason. Are we going to be legitimately contending in the playoffs? We have Ovechkin. Got to keep him happy. So it's a big question mark right there, right? So you can get a lot. You could get a lot out of out of a Tom Wilson trade from the Los Angeles Kings. They have a lot of good young players over there. You can get a byfield potentially. It'd be a big trade. It'd be a very big trade. So that is out there. That is the team that I've heard kicking tires on Tom Wilson. Haven't heard anybody else yet, but I would imagine the teams are going to start buzzing over to, to Washington asking about Tom Wilson. And I hope the Toronto Maple Leafs are in the forefront of that because that's the guy they fucking need. Okay. Moving on, we have uh, Chicago. We did that. Oh, God. Here we go again. So, Pierre-Luc Dubois doing his... uh, Every year, we go through this with Pierre-Luc Dubois. He asked for a trade out of Winnipeg. I feel like that's not really news, but uh, he's making it news yet again, making it very aware that he doesn't want to be a Winnipeg Jet. He wants to be moved. He wants to be a Montreal Canadian, though I don't know if he's actually come out and said that he wants to be a Montreal Canadian, but we all know he wants to be a Montreal Canadian. And I mean, I can't, I can't really hate on Dubois doing this because like, what's wrong with a player going and doing what he needs to do to go somewhere he wants to play? We've seen other players do it. Adam Fox did it. He refused to play for the Flames. He refused to play for, I forget what other team, I think Carolina, he wanted to be a Ranger. And boom, he went out, and now he's a Ranger. He's dominating. It's great. Jimmy VC 
the big Jimmy VC sweepstakes back in the day, this free agent, and he did he wanted to be a Ranger, and off he went to be a Ranger. So I'm not like against Pierre Luc Dubois doing what he's doing. I think that's fine, and other I think other players are gonna start doing it more often. And it's just kind of a culture shock because it doesn't happen so often in the NHL. Teams are generally very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, fucking loyal. So NHL players are very loyal generally to their teams. But Pierre-Luc Dubois and, you know, with the NHL, there's this the restricted free agent till unrestricted free agency. You don't become an unrestricted free agent until you're 26, 27 years old. So up until that point, the team that has your rights, basically controls what's going on. And Pierre-Luc Dubois is doing everything that he can to control his future. And I can't really, I can't really, you know, hate on him for doing that. He knows what he wants. He's, I feel like maybe he's a little bit over, um, selling himself like he's a good player but he's not a superstar now he's kind of acting like he's a superstar he's allegedly asking for a lot of money like nine million dollars and honestly if you're going to go play for the Habs it's going to be really difficult for them to want to give you that money when they have you know a situation going on over there where they have these players their captain making under eight million dollars they just re-signed Caulfield for under eight why would they want... It'd be really hard for them to want to bring you in for more than both of them. And you're kind of a demanding... You know, there's not really a good track record behind your personality. So, I mean, that could all change once you get to Montreal, the place that you want to be. But I just don't think that Pierre-Luc Dubois is necessarily going to get everything that he wants. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. A team... Like, technically, I think Winnipeg still has his rights. But... Um, yeah, it's, it's it's up in the air, man. Like, that's another team that has a lot of questions to answer with the Winnipeg Jets. Like, are they selling off Wheeler, Shifley? Like, it seems like they're selling off Shifley because I was on NHLshop.com and they had the Shifley jersey on for like $45. And they generally don't sell for that cheap unless the player isn't playing with them anymore. So I was like, okay, does NHLshop.com know something that we don't? Because that is a cheap jersey. I almost bought it. I was very, 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 very tempted to buy it, but I didn't yet. But um, yeah, man, that's that's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I know people don't like him because he's kind of being a baby, but honestly, I'm fine with him doing what he's doing. Speaking of fine with what they're doing, I don't know how I'm going to... Okay, we'll make it work. The Sens have been losing bids over the last few weeks, but it's finally done. We have a new owner for the Ottawa Senators, it is Michael Ann Lauer is the confirmed new owner of the Ottawa Senators. I don't have the exact number of the, the amount of money that he paid, but apparently it's in and around. It's not $1 billion, but it's close. So, cool. And that that's great news to hear that they finally got the owner because people were starting to drop out, right? So we started, you know, the Michael, or the... The Rem- Remsfield group, the, the one that had Ryan Reynolds, their group dropped out because they were just impatient. They were like, okay, we're not, you know, we're not getting anything out of this. You guys prolonging, prolonging this process. And uh, they dropped out. And then another big bidder dropped out. And they were only left with two bids. And one of the bids was very unlikely to be accepted because it was a considerable, uh, considerably lower offer than the other one. So yeah, they went with the best offer in Michael Anlauer. I'm very, very disappointed that um, 
Ryan Reynolds isn't going to be involved. I mean, there's potential that he still will be, but I don't think so because he's so Canadian. And the NHL came to him and said that, hey, like, we would like you to be a part of whoever gets this group. Like, we will attach your name to whoever the winning bid is. But Reynolds has come out and said, like, I don't want to do that. Like, what if I don't like the the owner, the group of owners that wins? And, like, he had his group. He wanted to be with the Remington group. They dropped out, so apparently Ryan Reynolds is out. And I'm sad because I think, I mean, if we're, we're getting robbed of what potentially could have been a welcome to Ottawa, like a very similar series to welcome to Wrexham, and we could have got an inside look of the NHL. And I thought that would have been really fucking awesome. I just finished Wrexham and it was great. And I would have absolutely adored a hockey version of that. But it doesn't look like that is going to be the way it's going to go down. But regardless, at least this is finally over. And this can mean a lot of stuff now for the Ottawa Senators. It looks like now finally the ball can start rolling on future planning. And what is going to be going on with this team. Because everything's kind of been at a halt until they knew who the fuck the owner was going to be. We finally got that answer, so cool. So, now let's talk about Debrincat. So, Debrincat, he has submitted a list of teams that he is willing to move to. So, it's not a uh, a trade, requ- like a full-on trade request, get me the hell out of here just yet. He could very well change his mind because his whole thing was, I want to know who's in charge here. I want to know what their plans are before I make my decision. Though it seems like Debrincat already has one foot out of the door, there is potential that he can get pulled back in. It's not over just yet, Sense fans. They they could win him back. We don't know. But regardless, it's good to see that they are ready for whatever Debrincat, Debrincat is going to throw at him. If they if they're if they're gonna trade him, they're ready for it, they'll they'll get something back for him. I I don't know how like who knows that Debrincat's a very, very good player. The big thing against him is that it seems that he's not the kind of guy that can drive his own line. He's going to need a very good center to play with him, which he has in Ottawa. So honestly, if I was Demerincat, I would stay. I really like the the way that things are going for Ottawa. There's a lot of really good young players. Giroux and like, oh man, they just need a little bit more help on defense and potentially some help in, in net. But forward-wise, look very, very good organization-wise, they look like they're in a pretty good spot right now. New owner, new building on the way. So I'm a little bit surprised that the Brincat wants out. Um, yeah, so we'll see what the future is for him right there. But he has submitted some teams. It didn't come out what teams those were. But uh, yeah, interesting. Maybe he goes back to Chicago, links up with Bedard, and they're like a bam, one-two combo, and it's unbelievable. We'll have to wait and see. So we have a little bit of news coming out uh, for Toronto. We got Shane Doan joins the Leafs organization as a special advisor. So a lot of people speculating that this is purely to butter up Austin Matthews because Shane Doan was Austin Matthews' favorite player growing up. Arizona Coyote, Phoenix Coyote legend Shane Doan. So great to have him in the organization. He is a phenomenal human being. He's incredibly nice incredibly uh, family-oriented man. I, I am very happy to see Shane Doan coming in to uh, the organization. That's awesome. Is he Jason Spezza? No, but he's pretty fucking awesome himself. So, I mean, Spezza out, Shane Doan in, kind of, you know, eases the pain a little bit. It eases the pain. So, welcome, Shane Doan. I am happy to have you here, as I imagine Austin Matthews is. So, this this could be great, man. This is gonna This is gonna kind of bring back, like, 
how it was when Patrick Marlowe was on the team, how he he's such a big family guy, and he brought, you know, all the young guys in Toronto. He brought Marner, Matthews, Nylander into his home, let him fucking meet his kids, and, they, yeah, they became like a big family. I think Shane Doan is going to bring that family element into Toronto again. So, great addition for the Leafs. I am super down with that. And I think that's all the big, big news that we're going to talk about this week. And let's just finish it off with a little bit of the restricted free agent talk. So I got a list of some upcoming restricted free agents um, that I'm not saying that these guys are going to get offer sheeted, but there's a there would be some potential here for why not? Maybe why not? So the big reason why I think maybe we'll see some offer sheets this offseason is because of the the lack of depth, the lack of superstar talent that is going to be out in the unrestricted free agent market this season. Uh, the biggest names are going to be like Ryan O'Reilly, Matt Dumba. You're going to have Patrick Kane out there, but he's not the Patrick Kane that we we all love and know, right? He's still Patrick Kane, but he's not like the superstar Patrick Kane. So there are some pretty interesting names out there on the on the restricted free agent market upcoming uh, out of New Jersey. You got Jesper Bratt who could potentially be lulled away from New Jersey. I feel like his relationship with the team is a little bit rocky. Uh, he he feels like he's worth a lot of money, so I don't know if New Jersey's going to want to pay him or if they're going to want to pay Timo Meyer. They, bo- they have both of them up. They're both going to want a lot of money. Honestly, uh, it's tough. Like, Timo Meyer, we all know, is a great player. He just didn't really wow me uh throughout his his tenure there with New Jersey now that could change with more time but what if it goes bad and they give this guy an eight-year deal worth like nine nine and a half million dollars and he's just like a 50 maybe a 60 point player and yeah that wouldn't be so good and then if Jesper Bratt walks he goes to somewhere else signs for nine nine and a half and he's like 90 90 point players so I don't know it's definitely there's definitely I feel like there's some potential there that you could see a team swoop in and maybe try and take away a Jesper Bratt because I think Bratt is fucking awesome I really really like that player uh we got one out of uh, the Rangers here Keandre Miller I feel is still an extremely underrated defenseman. He kind of gets overshadowed by the bigger name defenseman in New York with Adam Fox and even Truba because of how much you know controversy that he always generates. But Keandre Miller is a very, very good defenseman. He can put up the points. I feel like that he we haven't even seen the, the ceiling yet on Keandre Miller. I feel like he can put up even better numbers than he has been. But um, we'll have to see, man. Like, I feel like the Rangers are quite aware of what Keandre Miller is. But, you know, there's, there's other areas of the team that maybe they want to solidify. And if Keandre Miller's number is very, very high... Uh, I don't know, man. Like, Keandre Miller could be asking for in and around six, maybe even more than six million dollars. So, if the Rangers are willing to pay him, I think they would be smart to. But I think other teams may be smart to maybe take a look at Keandre Miller because maybe you can get this guy for some value and then he comes over. And if you put him in the right situation, let's just say, for example, Evan Bouchard is not an Edmonton Oiler and they brought in a Keandre Miller to be like the number one power play specialist guy. Maybe he becomes a 50, 60 point defenseman. So that could be really cool. And speaking of Evan Bouchard, we have Evan Bouchard on this list as well. So again, Edmonton, they have a lot of money. 
going into some players there. Evan Bouchard is up. He had a hell of a season. He was given the reins for number one power play. He was the number one point-getting defenseman in the playoffs, and he got eliminated in the second round. So the dude is a little bit of an offensive dynamo. He can fucking rip it. He adds uh, just... That really scary triangle on the power play for Edmonton with McDavid, Bouchard, and and Drysidle out there all at the same time. Extremely dangerous. So Bouchard could be getting a hell of a raise right now. I don't think another team would would probably be able to pry him away, but who knows, man? Maybe someone, maybe Calgary just throws a wrench into their plans and throws an offer sheet at him. And then Edmonton's got to pay a little bit more money than they were willing to pay him. So stuff like that could happen. Uh, you got Bowen Byram, young defenseman out of Colorado. I don't think he's going anywhere. I feel like Colorado really, really likes this player. They could probably get him locked in for a fairly respectable number because though his ceiling, like some of the potential on this kid looks very, very good. There are some injury concerns around Bowen Byram that, that could drive the number down a little bit. So I, I just put him on the list because I thought he was interesting. And then we got a little bit of a group of goaltenders right here that could be very interesting. There's a whole crop of goaltenders this offseason. We could see a lot of shifting goaltenders this offseason, but some of the bigger restricted free agents, you got Ilya Samsonov, obviously, Toronto Maple Leafs. They seem to be very uh, willing to give him... Uh, an extension and bring him back. He was good, not great, but I, I think he was he was an upgrade, upgrade over Matt Murray. And there's a good potential that the Leafs are going to buy out Matt Murray, free up a little bit of extra money, make it more safe for them to bring in Samsonov. I feel like the other goaltenders on the market um, are are would be better bets if a team was going to make an offer sheet. I feel Samsonov is safe. He was good, but not great. So I don't think a team would be overly willing to you know sacrifice the picks and all that for or and even relationships with with the Toronto Maple Leafs to, to steal away Samsonov but he's out there you got Jeremy Swayman this is an interesting one so I don't know maybe what if Swayman is frustrated though I know his relationship is uh, quite strong with Allmark maybe he feels a little bit of animosity towards the Bruins for not playing him in the first round when they very clearly should have played Swayman over the very clearly injured Allmark and, and maybe we'd have a different story with the, the Stanley Cup if if the Bruins uh, didn't force Allmark to play hurt but uh, maybe maybe a team is, is able to talk to him, throw him a little bit of extra cash that the Bruins wouldn't maybe. It's out there, right? I mean, Jeremy Swayman's a very fucking good goaltender. He just hasn't had the, the reins just yet. He hasn't been given the number one starting job just yet. I would say you're going to see, uh, I don't know, they're a split um, like closely down the middle, but I think it's going to be even tighter if uh, Allmark and Jeremy Swayman are, in fact, the, the duo for the Bruins. It seems very likely they will be, and I think you'll see more out of Swayman than, than last season. And then the big one that will draw some interest, I feel like, is going to be Philip Gustafson. The dude had outrageous numbers this season. He played very, very good for Minnesota. I imagine Senators fans are kind of scratching their head at why they let this guy go, but they did. So maybe there's a potential that they try and win him back with an offer sheet. I mean, I think it would have to be Gustafson with the season that he just had, man. Ah, he could get like six maybe seven million dollars from somebody with the with the play with the way that he played he's still quite young so there could be there could be some shit going on around Gustafson he's uh 
He's dealing with, well, not really dealing with, but he's sharing the net with Marc-Andre Fleury. So I feel like Gustafson wants the net for himself, but when you're sharing it with a legend on the on the scale of Marc-Andre Fleury, you really, you know, it's it's hard to deny Marc-Andre Fleury the net. when he, If he wants it, he's probably going to get it. So I don't know, maybe there's a future for Gustafson some, somewhere else. Uh, again, offer sheets in the NHL are very, very rare. You rarely see them go unless you're Carolina. Carolina seems to like to do them. Maybe they're going to do it again because they need a scoring winger. They could go after Brat. They potentially could use another goaltender if they're not going to re-sign Ante Ranta or Frederick Anderson. Maybe one of those goaltenders appeals to them, but... That's just a little group of the restricted free agents that are out there. Do you think any of those guys potentially get offer sheeted? I do feel pretty strongly that we will see one. Will they be successful? That's an, that's another story. I have no idea. Like, remember how Montreal offer sheeted Aho? He accepted it, but Carolina was so like, oh hell, yeah. it was such a good deal. They like you couldn't you couldn't have. Uh, qualified that offer faster than Carolina did they're like oh hell yeah we're signing him but you know that that does walk Aho to unrestricted free agency so that's a story for another day but I think that is going to be everything for me today so thank you guys so much for listening apologies for uh, the lack of no gamer cast this week I've just been <clears throat> excuse me absolutely swamped with uh, the games that I'm playing right now I'm taking on three very very big games all at the same time very stupid decision of mine but it is what it is so i'm i'm very slowly building up these episodes and i have so many episode ideas i think i just got kind of got um locked a little bit and i couldn't like fully build up an episode that i was happy with so yeah i just took the week off is it is what it is my apologies but we will be doing a tears of the kingdom I'm going to do like kind of my first impressions because I'm about halfway roughly through the game and I feel like I can on my first impressions and everything that I've experienced through the game so far I can bang out an episode so we're going to be talking about Tears of the Kingdom on Monday so if you have any questions about the game that you want answered send them in now to Twitter send me an email all the links are down in the description below if you want me to answer any of your questions for Tears of the Kingdom. It's going to be spoiler-free, uh, at least story-wise anyway. I'm going to be talking about the the new mechanics of the game and all that stuff. So that'll be on Monday. Saturday, we're going to be doing the WrestleCast as always. That'll be fantastic. And congratulations again to Phil Kessel and the Vegas Golden Knights. Stanley Cup champions, very happy. Jack Eichel, Marshall So, the Misfits, Aiden Hill. Wow, I mean, fucking pretty fucking good year overall. And... I mean, yes, maybe the hockey is over on the ice, but there's still so much more to go. We got the draft a few weeks away. We got free agency just a few weeks away. So stick around with the podcast, y'all. Let me know if you're liking the podcast. You know, Rate it, review it. Uh, let me know what you're thinking of it. You can send in your questions related to hockey, video games, or wrestling. If you have anything, I'll answer them on the podcast. And... Yeah, so enjoy yourselves some off-season. Go play some... Now we got more time for video games and movies and all that great shit, so hell yeah. Sorry that it is Wednesday. It's your hump day, but we're getting closer, ever so closer to that glorious, glorious weekend. So have a good one, everybody, and Phil Kessel, three-time champion. Woo!